Welcome to Money Making Conversations. It's the show that shares the secrets of success experienced firsthand by marketing and branding expert Rashawn McDonald. I will know. He's given me advice on many occasions, and in case you didn't notice, I'm not broke. You know he'll be interviewing celebrity CEOs, entrepreneurs, and industry decision makers. It's what he likes to do. It's what he likes to share. Now it's time to hear from my man, Rashawn McDonald. Money Making Conversations. Here we go. Hello. Welcome to Money Making Conversation. That's right. I'm your host, Rashawn McDonald. Each Money Making Conversation talk shows about entrepreneurship and entertainment. I recognize that we all have different definitions of success. For some, it's a sizable paycheck. Mine is helping other people wake up and inspiring them to accomplish their goals and live their very best life. These are my passions. I want to just share them with everybody. And the Money Making Conversation interviews provide relatable information to the listener about career and financial planning, entrepreneurship, motivation, leadership, overcoming the odds, and how to live a balanced life. My next guest, or my guest, is a graduate of the University of Alabama with a degree in psychology. She's an actress, a singer whose credits include television, stage, and voiceover work. She's currently starring in one of my favorite series on BET. Tyler Perry's The Oval, which airs every Wednesday on BET, like I stated. And she's also starring in another series that I've fallen in love with. It's a sci-fi series from the DC Universe called DC Stargirl, which airs every Tuesday on the CW. Please welcome to Money Making Conversation, Karen Moore. Karen Moore. Hello, hello. Thank you. Cameron Moore, yes. Good, good, great. Thank you so much for having me. First of all, thank you for taking the time to come out. You know, when you watch a character, let's let's go back to the very first episode. Okay. Okay. You're in a fight. You got to take, take a breath. Got to take a breath. Got to take a breath. Got to take a breath here. Got to take a breath here, Miss Moore. Got to take a breath. You're in a drag out physical fight with the President of the United States. Let's Ooh. hold that thought. Hold that thought. Then let's go back to you getting the script. Okay. From Tyler Perry, who we all know is a genius. Let's go on and admit that publicly. If you don't know it, I'm telling you, he's a genius. What were your thoughts? You know, President, you know, Michelle Obama coming out of the White House and you playing this over exaggerated character of an African American female entering the White House in a dramatic series. What were your thoughts? When I first got the side for the audition, I was horrified because I thought to myself, how could I possibly, I'm an actress, but I'm just like, I don't know how I can pull this off. Mm -hmm. This character is so opposite my personality. I'm just like, wow, what, what do I have or what can I pull from to bring this character to life? Mm -hmm. Um, And so I saw it as a challenge. And uh, in that first scene, <laughs> I didn't know how the audience would respond, but it was shock value. I mean, that's the first scene of the series. For very first scene. And very first scene. I mean. Yes. And what yes, like a so what like think, a casual think, slap slap? No, no, no. This was a knockdown, drag drag out, <laughs> beat down. Like we tore the entire hotel room. <laughs> <laughs> And, um, yeah, I was I was afraid going into it, but once we started rolling, oh my gosh, we had so much fun. Okay, now, now, now you say this is this, this character is not like your personality. What is your personality, Miss Moore? Honestly, I um I've always been shy. Um, so I I think I've come out of my shyness a little bit, but I'm, I'm kind of an introvert. Um, I, I will say that the character is strong, and I think I have a strong I have strong views and I have a strong personality. Oh, absolutely. But, 
I am not. Yeah, but I'm not. I'm not overt. Like she is. So um, I'm not overt and as overt, selfish, uh, domineering, <laughs> uh, uh, sexist, uh, child abuser, uh, uh, liar, uh, going to go, go in a dressing shop and beat the heck out of a, your husband's mistress, uh, yeah. tase your daughter. Uh, come on now. <laughs> it's a lot of qualities that you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I've never heard any of in my real life. So I, <laughs> when I meet people and, you know, they're just like, you did that. Um, Victoria did that. Uh, Karen didn't do that. <laughs> come, come on, Karen. Now, here, here's the funny thing about it is that we're going to have a good time with it. We're already having a good time. I'm talking to one of the stars of The Oval. She plays uh, the first lady. First lady. Lady Victoria is the name, correct? The word lady. Yes, her husband's name is Hunter. Now, it, <laughs> see, as the, as the series evolved, you know, you start to get little bits of pieces about the background of your family and how he got there. But let's go to the beginning of the series here, because first of all, you want to say, Rashawn, how successful this has, has the reaction to this series been? OK, first of all, it's been renewed for a second season, which we all know yeah. in the acting game is a blessing. Come on now. Yeah. Because yeah. you can start like preparing life a little bit. Okay. <laughs> right. You know, because right. you know, people understand you, you're in the acting game. It's like, it's almost like check to check. You know, you can't, you can't buy a car because you might not make the notes because you don't know if you're going to get a Listen. job. It's really can't buy a house. It really starts. You really have to be a person that's really patient and also, and just really just have strong faith. And also have mm -hmm. good good people around you that can a support system. Now the original series has been a hit for BET. We're talking about the Oval. Mm -hmm. Some highlights is now in the first half of this debate season. Number one new scripted series on cable for all audiences eighteen to forty nine. Number Great one God. in both broadcast and cable for African Americans eighteen to forty nine, which is an incredible number. Incredible number. Incredible. Incredible yeah. number. Now, you know, when the series came out, I didn't you know I, I wasn't watching it in the beginning. So I had to binge watch because people could shine because they always know I like watch. I watch a lot. They would tell me, how do you manage to watch so much TV and read so many books when I get a good series like this, though? That's that every every episode is like, really, really? So I'm going to back off a little bit here. Tell us about just let's let's tell about tell about tell everybody about the family dynamics of the Oval Office. If you miss anything, I'm I'm a fill in, okay? Okay, okay, okay. Well, the Oval overall is it's people like to compare it to to initially they like to compare it to Scandal, but it isn't that. It isn't a political show. It is. Oh no, it's not political. Oh no, it's not. Political. Not at all. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's all about it's all about relationships and the drama. Within, so it it addresses the upstairs downstairs thing that goes on in the White House, where you have the the first family, mm -hmm. and we pull back the curtain on this family who's been placed in the White House by the powers that be, and all of their dysfunction is completely uncovered. And then we follow the White House staff home, and they have a whole other set of drama while dealing with the drama in the White House. Right. <laughs> Oh. Which is a lot to handle for anybody at work. And then they go home and deal with their own personal things. So there's drama on both sides of it. Now, she's left out so much good stuff, okay? Oh. The, the daughter. The daughter who uh, mm. was sleeping with the drug dealer, right? Mm 
and then your boy. Could please describe to everybody what is what 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 is your son Jason? What is his character? What, what is, is he? They keep hollering. He's a pervert in the series. What what what, what is his? What is it? I've heard that word thrown out a lot in the series. He's a pervert. He's a pervert. What exactly is Jason's character in the Oval? Okay, Jason, who is played by <laughs> Daniel Corey Henderson, and he's, he's a wonderful actor. He's nothing like this, by the way. He is. He is a he's half naked. He's half man. naked most of the time <laughs> in the series, by the way, y'all. I'm just let y'all know about that. He's 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 all the way naked. He's butt naked in most of the series, <laughs> <laughs> and he's he's disturbed. But here's the thing about the kids. Um, okay. People don't understand because they hate you. They Karen, hate you now. They hate the Lady oh, Victoria. Oh, they hate me. Okay, cool. They hate me, and and they they kind of hate Hunter too, because what we've done is we brought them through the mayor's office, the governor's office, and now the White House. So these children have been brought up in a bubble and have had their lives, you know, under a microscope and so protected from a normal life that they they act out in ways that probably other other children wouldn't, but they act out. Um, they act all the way out. All okay? the way out. So they're, they're just, they're, yeah, they're disturbing. Jason is a, um, yeah, he's got a lot of, he's got a lot of issues that will be uncovered as the season goes. Um, I don't want to give too much away. Okay, give it the word, the word, the word, the word, Miss Moore. What we're going to talk about <laughs> will cover enough to make you want to watch okay. the rest of the season. Like I just tell you, you're number one now. You're number one for a reason now. 1849. Because you got your boy. Your boy hasn't seen it all. Now, see, this is, see, the great thing about the Lady Victoria character, which is the first lady, and then Hunter, he's the president, then Jason and Sophia, they're, 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 they're kids, outrageous kids. Then, like she said, it's more even juicier storylines when you get to Poe, Nancy, Richard, and Crazy Barry. Crazy right. Barry. Does he have emotional? Barry is the son of Nancy and Richard, and he came by the White House one day to help out, and all hell broke loose because he got in the room with Sophia, and Sophia said something, and later on, later Gail, that's her name, Gail. It's Gail. Okay, I apologize, Gail. 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 It was Gail. I apologize, Gail and Jason. Correct, Gail. So many series in my head. Gail and Jason are the characters. They're your children. So Gail got in yeah. the room with Barry, and then she made a story about Barry, and then he just caused. Jay Richard to lose his job and but the storyline didn't stop after that. These storylines are just so so outrageously juicy that they, they make are. you want to see more. Correct? They are they are and they're so so twisted and intertwined. It's it's really interesting to see them unfold and see how uh the White House staff and their families um are a part of the actual family of the white the first family right. it's, it's really interesting to see how they're connected in, mm. in in ways that you wouldn't think they would be right but yeah the, my daughter gail yes she had a relationship her boyfriend was a drug dealer who yes. is um, the cousin of barry who's the son of our butler who was fired because <laughs> gail yes. accused him of yes. rape when he was like you said uh helping out in the white house and then you had to then, then you then you had to tase your daughter though See, I, 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 I thought, I thought, I thought, I thought Lady Victoria had went as far as she can go, but she tased her daughter to see if it worked. That's what, that's what I loved about it. You, you tased your daughter <laughs> to see if it could work. And then, but, mm-hmm, well, this is your story now. If you got some extra but, juice, but what, tell but me about it. Le- what you left out, what you left out is before, um, before Victoria tased Dale, 
Gail jumped from the moving car on the way to the White House. <laughs> and when we got to the White House, it was, yeah, Victoria found it necessary that she also Oh, my goodness. You know, we're we about to break here, and we haven't gotten to yet to D.C. Stargirl. I want to get to that. It's a couple of more questions I got to ask you the next break because it's just the— can I say congratulations? You're on an amazingly entertaining, juicy soap opera, soap opera format that uh, is funny, is sexy, is over the top. And your character, like I said, you know, when you made a pass at poor Sam, he didn't know what to do. Huh, who, that's about the third guy in this series you made a really <laughs> strong pass at you. The little white guy turned you down earlier in the season. You, you you're just oh. a str- but but then but then you always make it like you weren't really talking to them. <laughs> right, right. You're just kind of talking past them. Yes, yes. Gonna do it. But I want to wrap up a few more questions about the oval. Uh, uh, Sam and Priscilla character, you know, Sam, he works security at the D.C., uh, at, at the White House, and you made a pass at him. Oh, they, they, they seem to be the most stable characters on the show, unless uh, unless I miss something. I, I, I usually have caught every episode, but Sam and Priscilla seem to be the most stable characters on the show. I thought Nancy and Richard was, but they both of them crazy, too. But what about Sam and Priscilla? <laughs> Sam and Priscilla, I would venture to say that they do have the most stable relationship mm-hmm. so far. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> come on. They have the most stable relationship thus far. Uh-huh. You know, but Victoria is a whole mess. And she has a way of um, working her way into people's lives yes. and causing... Yes. Causing trouble. Yes. Okay. Now, let's. Uh, here's an interesting backstory because I finally met your grandmother. Okay, and it seems to me that your family, your family in particular, okay, sent you away. You know, they get they got money. Okay, and they got influence. And so, like Hunter said, you know, they they shocked me when I became mayor. Then they shocked me when I became governor. And now I am the president of the United States. And I don't. I didn't ask for any of this. And so mm-hmm. what, 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 what was your role in all of this, your character's role? Were you along for the ride or are you just afraid to make a uh, say no because of who your parents were? You know, a little bit of both, because Victoria is about the business of money. Right. right? Mm-hmm. But she had she had a tumultuous childhood where her, her, her family, she felt as though her family didn't love her. She was a black sheep of the family. Mm-hmm. And there is pun intended there. Mm-hmm. Um, and her her parents were, are they're they're powerful. They're one of the top five families in the country. They run the country. Mm-hmm. And so they sent her away when she was a child and um, she's always felt like she was under their control, but she never felt their acceptance. Right. So in trying to trying to be accepted by her family, she's latched herself onto this man who they found to be um, kind of like a catalyst, you mm-hmm. know, to, to to place their influence into the White House and, and, and its policies and procedures. And so Victoria is along for that ride, but she's really trying to get off the roller coaster. With, you know, honestly, she, she, she's done everything that she can, and now it's just she, she wants his money. And she wants out. She wants out. But then you have then you have Donald's character and Kyle's character. They are lovers, okay. But mm-hmm. it seems to me now they they've been with you guys a long time because the storyline seems to talk about they know about the family, your family, and they know right. what they can do. 
So give me a little backstory on them if you can. Just being nosy now. I'm just being nosy. <laughs> well, their story is currently unfolding. So, right. um, yeah, so, so, so Donald is, is close. I don't know how unfolding to, it can be. The man was naked in his bed, buck naked in his listen, bed. That's it gets juicier. <laughs> and then I got to see got to see the brother, got to see his butt in the hotel room, okay, when when oh, Lily showed up and told the girl that told the, the, the girl to get the heck out. Okay. So so but back but I digress. I digress, Lady Victoria. Please continue. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, so funny. Well, Donald is the chief of staff, and he has been a, a White House mainstay, but he's he's relatively new to um, Hunter's life. But right. what Hunter doesn't know is that Donald is somehow connected to one of these five families. I can't say whether it's you know our family or not, but he's connected to one of these five five families mm-hmm. who's uh, puppeteering right. you know the people in the White House, and right. so he's got to stay in line. That's why he needs to stay married to Lily for the optics of it. But he has Kyle as his lover. So there's right. that. Right, right. That yeah. that, 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 that that was previous lovers. Then Kyle cheated on him. Okay. Then they broke up. And then when he broke up, that's when she found found Lily from Watts. She's from Watts, the community or neighborhood city of Watts. You know, I know she. Yeah. I know she said, "Boy, you do watch this series, don't you?" And um, and, <laughs> and so, but I got to go back to the biggest fool in the show. I got to go back to before we move on, Barry. Oh, oh my God. God. Okay, before I go okay. to Barry, I want to just compliment Tyler Perry on this sets in this series. I, I have not been to his compound. I'm based in Atlanta. But the sets are... You're based here. Yes. The the sets are yeah. amazing. The sets are amazing. Wow. Listen, what he did was he built a White House almost to scale on his campus. It only took a couple months to do. Right. We watched it be erected as we were um, preparing for the show. And it is amazing as an understatement. Whenever everything calms down and we're able to get back to normal, I encourage you to come to the campus and tour it. It is phenomenal. I, I, I'm, I'm looking. And it's at so fun to play in it. You know, I, I've been fortunate. I, I was in the Oval Office. I met uh, President Obama, so I know walking down that hallway. I know going in that room. I know exactly. You know how this stuff lays out. I, I went. I, they gave me a complete tour of the White House. So when I'm going, to, when you guys are going room to room, I'm going. That's authentic. That's authentic. That's legitimate. Because you know, it's like once you go in something, you know, you're only going to venture into once in your lifetime. You kind of like make snapshots so you can remember exactly. the experience. Because they won't let you take photos. They won't let you take photos. Right. And so the the photos they take of you is a professional photo pho- photographer. Then they have to screen the photos, and they eventually will send the photos to you of the ones they took of you taking. The, taken of you while you was at the White House. But when I when I look at Barry's character, another over the top character that's funny. And uh, that 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 can you explain to me how can we say stupider or dumber or how many bad decisions can you make in one season? <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say poor decision. But he, he he started off at a disadvantage because this poor child was accused of rape. Okay, and he didn't do it. Right. But then you know he he used to be involved with this uh, this woman who's in a cult. Her name is Ruth, and they had a child together. She comes with her cult members and kidnaps his kid, and so he's looking for his kid, and he goes into you know neighborhoods he shouldn't be a part, a part of. He oh my you know. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and we forgot the I forgot the fact that uh, Gail got, you know, 
got taken around the corner by five dudes. I forgot about that little storyline, you know, that was in this it's, shirt. It's, <laughs> you know. Yeah, Gail snuck out of the White House to, to, <laughs> to be with her drug dealer boyfriend. And in the in the course of it, yeah, she, she was almost raped by some gang members. And yes. poor Richard happened to be in the area and picked her up. And oh my God. it's a whole twisted drama. But, 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 but you know, I, 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 before I move on to D.C. Stargirl, Bobby. Now, what is Bobby? Is he come some kind of under? He he plays like he's has an, uh He knows some people who are trying to get dirt on some more dirt. What is Bobby's role? I know he's having an affair with Lily, and Lily, you know, she went to him at the that the Big John Inn with the. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! Oh my god! This story is crazy. Bobby. Oh my gosh! Poor Bobby. Bleed Bobby. Um, oh my god. He, Bobby. He was an insider at one point, and mm-hmm. and it's not been revealed uh, uh, exactly. Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, Lady Victoria, a sexy insider, because I've yet to see him with he, his clothes oof. on. Uh, they, they, it, the scene Uh-oh. may start with his clothes on. <laughs> But the brother going to be out of his clothes really quick in that scene. You know that, right? I know his tattoos. I know the dimples in his butt. I know the muscles on his shoulder. I can count the little abs on his stomach, the little indents. This man don't keep his clothes on long at all. Makes me feel really bad when I'm watching him, though. He looks real, feel about it. Listen, I mean, if you have a body like that, why would you put clothes on it? <laughs> stop! 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 <laughs> why? <laughs> Finish with your description of this fool, Bobby. I just had to break in and just tell y'all what I see. No, but yeah, Bobby is definitely the uh, the sexual chocolate of the show, mm-hmm. and he, he, uh, really? he was he was an he, yeah I mean, he was an insider, and he hadn't yet revealed exactly his relationship, but he's an insider, and he knows a lot about what's going on in the White House, and a lot about the family that's controlling what's going on in the right. White House, and mm-hmm. so he's trying to tell Lily, Lily, honey, you in danger, girl. So he's 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 but let's have sex first. Let's let's get yeah. Let's Let's get, let's get down first, and then I need you to go back and take care of the business and the business. Right, exactly. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Okay, cool. Um, let's go on to this next fantastic because you're on TV every Wednesday and you're on TV which is on the BET every Wednesday with the Oval yes. now every Tuesday we can catch you on an exciting new sci-fi series called DC Stargirl and you play an extremely different character you're a doctor do. little nerdish type Mm-hmm. Doctorish, uh, the daughter yes. to one of the characters. I I believe that's eventually going to become one of her sidekicks. I'm talking about Star Girl sidekick. Tell us about that character and the opportunity it brings to just show your acting range. Well, uh, with DC Star Girl, like like you said, I play a character. Her name is Doctor Chapel, and she is she's a medical doctor, and she's brilliant, and she is a completely buttoned up nerd. That's what she is. And um, she's unaware of what's about to unfold in her daughter's life. But, yeah, her daughter, it seems as though we'll, we'll find out this come, this Tuesday what, yes. what happens. Yes. But um, she may be one of the recruits mm-hmm. of Stargirl mm-hmm. to join the, uh, mm-hmm. the, the new Justice League. It's been fun playing her. She, she's completely opposite Victoria. Um, she, she's still intelligent and polished, but 
on the complete opposite end of the spectrum. You know, her hair is natural. You know, she's understated, buttoned up. It's fun. Well, it's, it's, uh, first of all, your your life that you're living right now, congratulations on um, the Oval, on BET being renewed for a second season. Congratulations, because we know it is, that's a blessing. And then to be on television a in a blessing. totally opposite role, in a mainstream show. That's what Stargirl, DC Stargirl is a mainstream show. And um, yeah. and then and be, be accepted in that role and having fun at it and being nerdy-ish and uh, being able yeah. to look authentic in that in that role and and i was you know i was kind of you know because i was i watched the series and so i was kind of like oh i wish i could interview her right after tuesday because that'd be the more juicy stuff to talk about but really <laughs> but really this oval took up the whole show that's how amazing that is so that what that means is that you got to come back on my show if you don't mind i really loved interviewing i would you. love it uh, i you, would love it love you're it. funny you're entertaining you're beautiful you're smart. Uh, please don't stop being you. And uh, again, I can't wait to the season finale. But I'm going to just drop this little dime on you because everybody keeps saying there's an insider. There's an insider. Somebody, there's a leak in the White House. There's a leak in the White House. Mm-hmm. You know who I think it is? Who do you think? Jason. You think it's Jason? Yes. Mmm. Well, let's keep tuning in to find There out. you go. Come on. You got the little doctor. You go, mmm. Well, we'll see. Stay tuned every Wednesday. <laughs> the Oval starring Lady Victoria and Hunter as the two dashing members of the White House. Who It's not about changing America. It's about holding that White House together because it's exploding with sex, passion, <laughs> evil, double crossing, backstabbing, murder. That's the Oval on BET every Wednesday. And don't forget, you can see this nice, charming, smart, brilliant young lady on Tuesdays on DC, Star Child, on the CW. Thank you for coming on my show. I really hope you enjoyed it. I appreciate you. I did. Thank you so much. (laughs) My next guest left Wall Street to keep up with the demand of a company where she is the founder and CEO of The Lip Bar, a vegan beauty brand that exists to disrupt an outdated beauty care industry. Please welcome to Money Making Conversation, the CEO of The Lip Bar, Melissa Butler. Thank you so much for having me. That was such a warm intro. We're warm, but, uh, but you're in Detroit, right? I'm in Detroit. Yeah. Uh, how's the weather up there in Detroit? Uh, it's finally gotten nicer. It was crazy. <laughs> May May eighth. May eighth. It was snowing. Can you I know. believe That's it? What I was I'm like, asking oh, no, you. I gotta get out of here. That's what I'm asking you. You know, I lived in. I, 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 I was I, like, I'm in the wrong place. No, well, first of all, you was in New York doing uh, working at Wall Street, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. What were you doing so at, when what? I graduated? Mm-hmm. Tell your story. So yeah, I went to college. I went to college at FAMU, aka Florida A and M University. Come on now, HBU. When I Rattlers. went there, exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. <laughs> and so I studied business finance, and I decided that in college, that if you're going to do finance, that you know there's no better place to do it than than in New York. So I moved to New York was working on Wall Street for about four years, (laughs) excuse me, and then at year two, I I quit my job. Mm -hmm. I quit my job to focus on the lip bar, um, this cosmetic company that I just felt super inspired and empowered to start because I wanted to stop complaining about an industry and instead be the change that I wanted to see in that industry. When you say stop complaining about an industry, what do you mean? What, What were the complaints about the industry? 
So, yeah, I started the lip bar because I was completely frustrated with the beauty industry. Okay. I hate it. It's lack of diversity. Mm-hmm. It's excessive amounts of chemicals. Um, just this idea that, that beauty looks like one particular thing and like in one way. So I found, you know, a, a country full of women, black and white, that was trying to fit into this very small beauty box right. of like what's considered socially and societally accept it as beautiful and i was like no like why are we all trying to conform to be something that we're not in terms of like that that beauty image and it's like i I felt like we had been taught that you can only be one thing in order to be beautiful and it's always been been my my understanding that everyone has beauty you know and everyone is beautiful but the conditioning of the media and the beauty companies you know, it consistently told this story in this linear light. And so that was my frustration. I hated that people were made to feel like they were not enough. And so I decided to create the, the lip bar to remind women that they don't have to transform and be beautiful. They're already beautiful. Okay. Now your degree was in what now? Business finance. Okay. Business finance. And so I'm um, just reading your bio. So you were... were, were created the formula or you mixed it or you made the brand of the the, the lip bar in your Brooklyn kitchen to my understanding did I read that yep. wrong <laughs> yeah no you read it right so okay. I did not have um, experience in in chemistry I was working on Wall Street like looking at stocks and bombs and experience Excel spreadsheets all day. Um, but that's what happens when you when you're operating in purpose and you're operating with determination. Like, right. no, I didn't know how to make lipstick, but I did everything in my power to learn. Right. And I'm not gonna say it was easy. It took probably a thousand batches of lipstick, you know, me making these products before I got to a good one. Okay. So it was a story of resilience and I think that's largely the lip bar story. Now your your product is a vegan product, correct? Every single thing that we make is vegan and cruelty free. Okay, so cool. that means that we don't use any animal products. We don't test on animals and we try to be as natural as possible mm-hmm. without compromising the product. The brand or what you're saying that you do, which is really important. Yeah. Now, you know, I, I love your energy. First of all, um, I have a newsletter that I, I send out every Friday at 9 a.m. And a good friend of mine, I found out about you was uh, Ann Sampowski Ward. She's the CEO of uh, uh, Time. Oh! She uh, she texts me. Said, "You, Rashawn, you got to put her on your show." I go, "Who?" Melissa Butler, <laughs> lip bar. She's really good. She she lives in Detroit and she lives in uh, Minnesota. And so that's how I found yeah. out about you. Then I then every Tuesday I meet with my staff and I said, uh, "I've been recommended to interview uh, a young lady by the name of Melissa Butler. She owns the lip bar." And then my staff go, "We've already contacted her." I said, "Oh." <laughs> so you are already on their radar my staff's radar are people that i should bring on my show as entrepreneurs so the blessings are is that a good friend of mine who's or i i love to death and she's a fantastic smart person and a, a good person too recommended you and then my staff already was ready to book you so with that being oh, yeah. said I, I love and to death i I love that woman. She has been so helpful in my journey. I'm so, telling you yeah. something. She, she, she called your boy right now. 
told me that this is a person I should have on the show because you are a blessing, you're gifted. And uh, that's what I do on Money Making Conversations. I bring brands in and I use my brand free of charge. I'm not here to try to make money. I'm just trying to give a platform to entrepreneurs that they can talk, tell their story with no, no, with no hidden agendas. It's about, uh, so, mm-hmm. I, so the nuggets that you share on my show, hopefully other people hear it and go, wow, I can do it too. That's what this show is about. Motivating people yeah. to believe that they can do it too. Like my degree, just a little quick backstory, uh, a very short backstory. My degree is in mathematics and computer science and, and sociology. That's my degree. I got into mathematics and I went to work for IBM and I left IBM to pursue a career as a stand up comedian and became a sitcom writer, managed talent and, and marketing branding guru for Fortune 500 companies and producing television shows and film. That's my background. Okay. But I didn't start out like that. I was a math. My degree is in mathematics, just like you said, you know, your degree, your degree wasn't in chemistry. That didn't stop you. So with that being right. said, I'm trying to. I'm, but that's a that's a big swing. I just went from telling from mathematics to telling jokes. That wasn't that big of a jump. OK, I just you know, I just I just <laughs> no, stopped I adding stuff up. No, your jump is huge here. I'm, try, I'm trying to figure out how confident did you have to be? So can you walk me through the steps? I'm not trying to reveal any things, but that's pretty impressive. Miss Butler, the fact that you were confident enough, and I'm sure you were the guinea pig of your uh, of all your stuff, maybe some close friends and things like that. Once you got going there a little bit, because you wanted to try it on different skin skin tones and different skin textures right. and things like that. So when you thought of, just talk about the time that you said, "Okay, I want to do this." What did other people say to you? Oh, I mean, people thought I was crazy. My my mom <laughs> thought I was crazy. My mom was like, oh, wait, you're quitting your job? Because at two years in, I, I quit my job. Right. Not because I was making a ton of money, but because I really believed in what I was doing. And I knew that what I was doing could be powerful mm-hmm. and could really impact women across the country. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I quit my job, I wasn't even replacing my salary. I wasn't even going to be able to pay myself <laughs> a salary. But... I knew that that was the risk that I was willing to take because I knew that I didn't have any other real responsibility. So for me, it was more so like I would rather risk it all and and either fall flat on my face Mm -hmm. or regret not going after it. Right. And so that was a decision that I had to make. And yeah, you're right. Like you have to have some level of confidence. But at the end of the day, I didn't know what I was doing. I had no idea what I was doing or, you know, how big or how small it could get. But I knew that what I was doing was important. So, you know, for all business owners, they they tell you to make sure you're starting with a problem. Right. Right. So I very clearly knew that there was a problem within the industry. And I was like, you know what? I don't know. I don't know how this works. I don't know anything about the beauty industry. I don't know anything about manufacturing, but I'm going to try because I think this is a problem that's worth solving. And you are, and obviously people are reacting to it. Here's, here's something funny. I'm just let you know. I have a newsletter that goes out every Friday at 9 a.m. Goes out to like to 90,000 subscribers, and uh, and so what? And I told my my staff, I said, drop put one of her ads, you know, one of your ads uh, banners in there with the link and everything. It was the most clicked link in my newsletter two weeks ago. 
That's how wow. popular. That's how popular your brand is. And I always tell people, you know, oh, wow. it was the most click link. It was like it was crazy. I go, I, you know, because you know, I, I send it out on Fridays and on Mondays. I meet with the staff and I go at eight a.m. and I go Zoom because we're in the pandemic time. And I go, they said, what, what give us an update on the newsletter. I said, well, the most clicked link in the newsletter was the lip bar. Wow, (laughs) and and and, you know the reason I have to say that because it wasn't tied to you a famous person, it wasn't. It was just your product, and either the name recognition of your product, of the first of all the marketing. It looks so. You have a beautiful looking product, first of all, and 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 you're doing a tremendous job of marketing it. And so and 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 so so I didn't know what to expect when I put in it. I just know that I support. You know, African-American entrepreneurs, that's the purpose of why I created Money Making Conversations. But I also noticed that when people clicked you, you have, you know, you have unique clicks and you have a total clicks. All right. And mm-hmm. people just kept going back to you. Your ad. So I always tell people that generally is a sign that people were buying things when they keep going back. You know, they go, they go back, they try to figure stuff out and go back and go back and go back. Usually when people click one time, there could be some sales, but usually, you know, because rarely do people click and they just go through the process of buying unless they really know what they're doing. So I just know that you are doing a great job of marketing and the story you're telling on the air with me right now is pretty impressive. Um, Thank you. I, I'm not finished with the interview. I, I just want to thank that. you. I just want to say thank you. Because, I appreciate that. And no. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm serious. Yeah, I'm, I appreciate you know, I, that. And I'm telling you, I'll be having celebrities in there. You know, Erica Campbell, Yolanda Adams, Kelly Rollins. You know, I I, I have superstars. Patty LaBelle. I have superstars being there selling stuff in my newsletter. And then little old Miss Clip Bar. Click, 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 click. <laughs> Congratulations. We're going to be back with my friend, like the Lip Bar CEO. She moved from New York to Detroit. And May 8th, it was snowing in Detroit. She didn't know what she had gotten herself into, but she's a happy person. There's a lot of cliches you hear a lot in this business of uh, being successful, you know, gifts, passion um don't sleep on who you should really be a lot of quotes on the phone is a person who um got a degree fam you fam the rattlers down there will packer down there you know that's my boy did two (laughs) movies with him think like a man and think like a man too and just a number of great things before we go any further into your brand i want to talk about the hbcu experience i i always like to talk to the individuals and uh, i have a that that that, uh, experience that level of education and to reflect on the importance of hbcus can you can you talk to us about it melissa Oh, man. Um, I mean, if I'm going to be honest, fam, you changed my life. Mm-hmm. Like, honestly, it, it, it changed my life. I Before I got to fam, you, I didn't know how culturally diverse black people are. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't I didn't really know how to sell myself. I didn't know what made um, us special and like you know when you grow up you always hear that you know we have to work twice as hard right and i think at an institution like famu and like other hbcus you know you're surrounded by black excellence right so it it doesn't become something that that you have to strive for it becomes your default Mm. so famu fam you taught me how to make excellence my default and it taught me how to have just such 
such pride in the diversity of black people. Now, I'm from Detroit, so Detroit is one of the blackest cities in America, if not the blackest city in America. So I've always had like, you know, a very strong racial pride. Like I've always been a, a very proud black woman. Right. But like going to FAMU, it really cemented that. And and I'm I'm just really proud to have had primarily black experiences because I've never had to question who I am. I've never I've never been in an environment where I felt the need to assimilate. Even when I was working on Wall Street and I'm surrounded by, you know, older white men, it was my days at FAMU that prepared me for right. those moments. So like I, I just really feel so blessed to have have gone to that university if I'm gonna be honest. Well I'm gonna just tell you congratulations. Also it also taught you that uh that to be fearless, obviously, in developing this lip. Oh yeah. Brand. Let's talk about because I, I mentioned the newsletter and I and how um, it was the most clicked um, banner or, or, or link in my newsletter that week. How did the marketing start? Let's talk. You talked about the product, okay, and how you developed that. Let's talk about the marketing and the artwork. How did that come about, and who did you work with? So it's a couple of different facets of the lip bar as a company. Yes, ma'am. So number one, I, I always say that that we don't like the product is just something that we happen to sell. But what we do is empower women. So right. like what we do as a company is empower women and remind them that they are enough. And then what we happen to sell, the byproduct of that is you know, these vegan and cruelty free and high quality makeup products that we actually sell on the website. Mm -hmm. So just understanding that our goal is always to remind people that they are enough and to allow themselves to be seen within the beauty industry that then dictated the rest of the marketing. So if our goal is like, okay, we're going to increase representation within the beauty industry, then that automatically decides what models we use. So right. we're not going to use the same models that you see in every single and in, in every other ad mm -hmm. because that is that is the default. And we're trying to expand the minds of our customers and show them that they are enough. So so it's a lot of storytelling and that storytelling really comes from, you know, who we are as a company and who we who we're trying to serve as a company. So, right. you know, we make sure that we're using, you know, women of all complexions, deep, deep skin tone, yes. um, women with no hair, women who are plus sized, women who um, are Muslim. We're, we're using all sorts of women just to show that, again, beauty doesn't come in one shape or size or one hair texture or one complexion. Beauty is in all of us. And so that really dictates the marketing. And it's just constantly telling the stories of those women, because ultimately that's, that's what it's about. It's not about the product. It's about how this product makes that woman feel and where this woman uses the product. You know, where is this product accompanying her in her life? Um, and that's that's really like what dictates all of our marketing. Well, it's, and we it's, have fun with it. Well, yeah, I do. I, I, I'm on the website now and I'm seeing this says six products, seven minutes, your full face. What exactly is that? Yeah, um, I'm so happy you asked. So we just launched our fast face system. It's called fast face system, right? Yep. Fast face. Okay, yep. Cool. Slow down. And you so know, I'm gonna slow down. We, I got six sisters, but you, you know, this is a world I got to stay in, stay in the loop with you. Don't, <laughs> don't you just race out there like your boy know what he's talking about here. Okay. I, I, I feel you. I feel you. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's called the fast face. Yes, ma'am. And mm -hmm. what I found is that 
a lot of women buy makeup and wear makeup, but they don't really know how to use it. And they right. don't really know what, what works for them. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, when you go to the grocery store, if you don't know how to cook and you're just buying a bunch of seasonings, but you still don't know how to put them to use. <laughs> right, That's a very funny analogy. It's very funny. I like that. Uh, yeah, like that. if you can't cook, then you can't cook. You can't That's cook. it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can buy every seasoning in the store. It don't make mean that the dish don't turn out better. That's right. And so we <laughs> we found that a lot of women were buying makeup products but didn't really know what worked for them what worked for their complexion, how to use the product. Um, And so we were like, we need to solve the problem of the lack of education around makeup because makeup is one of those things that that's been around for a really long time. And you just automatically expect that people know what they're doing, but they don't like my, my customers are not makeup artists. They're not the people who are watching YouTube videos. They don't have time. You know, they're raising kids or they're, they're growing in their careers or they're just spending time, more time on what actually matters. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm going to be honest, we've, we've never believed that makeup was the most important thing and it should never be. So we were like, okay, well, how do we allow our customers to show up their, as their best selves without having to spend so much time trying to learn this? So we launched our face our fast face system, which is basically like the proactive of makeup Mm. where it's six products and it's designed to give you your full makeup look in seven minutes or less. And we tell you exactly, you know, how to use the product and we curate what works for your complexion for you. So once we know your foundation, we select all the rest of the products for you. So you don't have to think about what blush works for my complexion. What lipstick works for me? If we know your skin tone, then we select every single item in that fast face kit. This is awesome. Um, so I'm just looking at your site here. I'm looking at her site. It's uh, the, the com. That's where I got the information about the six products, seven minute, minutes, uh, your full face, which is the fast face system that she was talking about. Yep. And then you have, then, then I click tutorials and then you have the, the was that the fast face challenge right there? You know. Yeah, that's 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 so much fun. That's like the contest. So, you know, so, you're, I, you know I'm just going about, through your site having fun. I'm just always just clicking. Are, just you clicking. Are. I, I love that you're learning. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I have to, I'm very complimentary of you because of the fact that uh, it's, a you know, everything. I, I, I love marketing. I love branding. I love trying to figure out what why people relate to anything. First of all, your, your, your lines and your artwork are uh, clean they're very clean and 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 everything's very it's it's just it's just almost like it's three-dimensional but it's not it's just done that well and so you you tell a really good fun story on your website and that's important because you know it's online it's online business and so you're not working out of a storefront and so that is important and so when i i'm just having fun and going i'm at the fast face challenge i click tutorials i got options i'm not i'm not limited i got the shade finder i got the eye the face the lips the fast face kits all this good stuff is is a guy i'm a guy now Older guy now, not wearing any of this, and I'm having fun. So I can imagine that the women that come to your site, and now I can see why your site was so clicked. When people, they clicked, they had to come back. This is fun. This is fun. You tell a great story. That's hilarious. Thank you. Thank you. And now we're going. And honestly, we had to learn how to tell that story because when we, when we launched, 
you know, a lot of small businesses out there, you don't, you don't have money to launch into a retail store. You don't have money to open your own store. So we were like, all right, well, we're selling something that people traditionally buy in person. How do we make the most impactful moment possible online Mm -hmm. to give that customer confidence to to placing that order? Now we have a little bit of flexibility because we're in Target stores across the country. I'm saying you're everywhere Um, in Target, Atlanta, Greenville, Aiken. I mean, Aiken. (laughs) I mean, that's a little bitty town, Aiken. Okay. Woo. Doing it, girl. (laughs) Columbia, South Carolina. That's the town right there. Columbia, Rock Hill, South Carolina, Charlotte, North Carolina. Yeah, we're all over. Congratulations here. This is all. I mean, when when they, they, you crossed the board here. So, you know, I also know that they can buy you through Amazon because I went online, you know, Amazon. Yeah, I, be, I be doing my little research. I don't know if you know, Miss, but I be act, I, I don't just get on the phone and just start talking to somebody sounding confused. I've done my homework on you. And you got your little act together. Little Miss Fam, you. Little Miss, I was in New York just doing it and I got tired. I just went on back home to Detroit and said, hey, I'm going to make it happen. And you are making it happen. If you had to say anything to anybody who's listening to your show is the <laughs> lipbar.com uh, online is a very user-friendly site. You can go to the store locator and find out the nearest target near you. And believe me, it's gonna be a target near you. I'm going through this little thing. And I and it's it's so you know when you scroll down, you get tired of scrolling down. I'm tired of scrolling down. That's how many target stores she's in. <laughs> she she's wearing me at Warren, Michigan, Greenville, North Carolina. I'm telling you something. I, I, as a stand-up comic, I used to travel this country all over. I know how small Greenville, North Carolina. See, that's a compliment. See, when you in cities like Greenville, North Carolina, that means everybody buying her product. Everybody understands the value of her product, and it's only get bigger. Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. This is awesome. I'm excited for you. What's the what's the what's the goal here? Miss Butler, well, you gonna take over the world? What's going on? <laughs> you are hilarious. You are so funny. <laughs> no, seriously, I'm, I'm excited for you. You know, this is beautiful, Chesapeake, Virginia. You just rocking it up, Woodbridge, Virginia. I mean, just just you in all the Target stores. This is beautiful. So, what's the what's the what's the ultimate goal here, my friend? You know, you started out to make sure that everybody. Should not understand that beauty doesn't start with the product; it starts with them. Then the product only enhances it, and yeah. and it's organic, it's vegan, you know, and uh, it's not cruelty related. What's the future, the bar? The future is to just make sure that every woman knows that they are enough, and mm-hmm. to keep growing this this black owned business mm-hmm. as big as it can, so that we can start reinvesting in our community. Well, my friend, I'm going to drop you back in my newsletter. This time, you know it's coming. I'm sure it's going to be the most clicked thing in my newsletter. And uh, <laughs> God bless you, girl. Don't you change. I'm, I'm glad I got you on my show. I want to thank Miss Sapowski Ward. That's my girl. She introduced me yes. to you. And my staff already knew about you because I'm a old dude. Don't know nothing about no lipstick. But now I do because I know what the <laughs> lipbar.com is. I got the store located. I'm going to take my little 22-year-old daughter and say, let's go lip bar shopping. Okay? <laughs> oh, I love it. I, I really appreciate you. This has been like my most fun interview ever. I love it. I appreciate you. You stay safe, okay? Thank you. Stay safe. Thank you. All righty. My next guest is known to the world as an internationally acclaimed singer, actress, entrepreneur, and executive television producer. Best known for her current role as the star of WeTV's hit series, Braxton Family Values. She's also an entrepreneur of Ladybug Skincare, a new cosmetic line. That's why I really got on the show. 
She's an entrepreneur, y'all. <laughs> the products are created for all skin types and gives the user a young, natural, and refreshing glow. Please welcome to Money Making Conversation, my friend, Tawanda Braxton. Hi, thank you for having me. Well, you know, Tawanda, I want to just tell you, thank you for doing the show. And the first time I went out, I was sitting in a screening room and uh, it was a misguided behavior, a movie, misguided behavior. Yes. I, I was screening that movie with a good friend of mine, Sharon Tomlinson, She's a very good yes, friend of mine. Yes. Uh, pray for her every day. And uh, and so, and I said, who is that? Who is that? She says, because you know, I, I don't look at reality shows all the time. I said, right, you right. Know, now, I, I formerly managed Steve Harvey, and I remember you guys came into our studios in Atlanta, and we interviewed yes. you guys as a group. We had you all stacked up, yes. some of y'all in front, yes. some of all in the back row. So <laughs> I met you then, okay? And so yeah. we have a little physical history of meeting you, and I go, she can act. She goes, I, I know I told her that. <laughs> I know you. I told her she can act. This is her acting debut. I said, girl, she needs to be on stage. Yeah, she needs to be out there doing it live. I'm just doing your thing out there. So, so talk, yes. about, talk about that. That's a love that I saw in you, a skill I saw in you that surprised yes. me. And, yes. and, and you know, I'm, I'm a guy always looking for new talent, always looking for different ways to, to bring people to the forefront of their, their dreams. That's I'm assuming acting is a dream of yours. Talk about that, yes, that yes, the whole acting was. background. Because you get caught up in that reality of the world and people think that's all you want to do. That's all you can do because you're yeah. already known as yeah. a notable singer. But just talk about that. Right. Love for right. acting, Tawanda. Okay. So, like, back in the day when I was a child. Yes. <laughs> I used to always do. <laughs> I used to always be in all the elementary school plays. And then mm. when I got to um, junior high school, I was in all the plays then. Um, and then, you know, I, I always made sure I went, I didn't go against the grain when it came to my family because singing was the family's business. Right. Um, so when, when I went to college, I, um, we did. Where'd you go to school at? Where'd you go to college at? Bowie State University. Well, HBCU. HBCU. There you go. We're going to talk about yes. that in a minute. Hold yes. that thought now. Yes. Hold that thought. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, um, and we did an off-Broadway show called Dream Girls. Mm-hmm. And I played Laurel. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was in Maryland. And then the, the director was also a professor at Howard University. Mm-hmm. Um, and he he was also a personal friend of the family, and he never knew that I really wanted to act. So when he, you know, he, as a director, he always called me by my character name, Laurel, did you, you, did you ever take any acting classes? And I was like, no, sir, I never took any. And he was like, are you kidding me? And I was like, no, sir. And all the actors that he had in the play outside of me and my sisters were from Howard University. Um, and they were just amazed that I never took any classes. He was like, you have a raw talent. He said, um, I want to give you a theater scholarship at Howard University. Mm. And I didn't take it. <laughs> <laughs> I turned it down because, for one, like I said, I was in the family's business, in the family's business of singing. Right. Although my passion and my love was acting, always. And you um, have a so talent for course, it. You have a talent for thank it. Thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you. Thank mm-hmm. you. So I went ahead and did the family thing. You know, we, me, Tamar and Trina signed with, um, Arista, not Arista, I'm sorry, um, Atlantic Records. And mm-hmm. we, tra- we, we toured with Luther Vandross and Alice to Tony. So, I mean, we had some moderate success, especially mm-hmm. overseas. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but I still really wanted to act. So I took some, I started taking some acting classes, right. um, in Atlanta. I mean, I was really trying to own, 
into my craft. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was accepted into uh, Lee Strasberg acting classes in L.A. Okay. Um, That's a note. That, that, that I'm just telling everybody, you can act to get in there. Okay. You, see, we yeah. Sean McDonald can't act. I, I can't yeah. show. You. Lee Strasberg will go, come here, so arrest that dude right there for impersonating yeah, that. Right. <laughs> so I was really I was so excited that I was accepted into that school right. um, mm-hmm. so um, a good friend of mine he's like a brother he's like one of my uh, male best friends in the business Carl Payne that's my man he mm-hmm. said um, yes he said come on T I got this movie I want you to be in this movie mm-hmm. and um, I was like cool and then, and then he, I, what I love about having friends like, like Carl is he didn't just have me in the movie just because I was his friend. Right. You know what I mean? I had, I mean, I had to work toward it. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because with me being his friend, if he was just doing it as my friend, he would have made me in the lead. And he was like, no, this is what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. So he gave me a part in the movie. Um, well, I earned a part in the movie. There you go. And just get the title right. So, earned. Right. I earned the part in the movie and I was so super duper happy. Um, that was my, that was the first time that I really got my feet wet, um, as being an, an, an actor in the, in the movie. I was like, oh my God, I'm we in know, a movie. So, you know, so, Tawanda, when I, when I t- always talk about people on the show about entertainment, entrepreneurship, and I always tell people the value and the importance of relationships. Okay. Yeah. And this is a yes. this is what I speak of when I say relationships. Because again, you know, we we talent will get you so far. I would tell relationships will keep you in the game. Okay. Yeah. And, and yes. this is what you talk about the value of relationship. Not only just the opportunity you got with you know Carl in this movie, but also in the industry overall, how it helped you having been having a relationship, having talent, and it, it extending you and giving you a career in this business. We call oh, it entertainment. Absolutely. Yes. So, you know what? It's one thing about just having the, the, um, I guess the gift of what, whether it's singing, acting, producing is, is one thing just to have that gift of being able to do those things. But then another thing of how you perceive yourself in front of individuals. And I always say that the stove, the toes that you step on today may be connected to the ass you have to kiss tomorrow. <laughs> so you have to be extremely <laughs> careful. <laughs> With how you treat people. Mm-hmm. You just have to. Mm-hmm. You know, and I know in, in, in the entertainment industry, people get on your nerves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Everybody isn't always on the up and up. And people, there are a lot of users, not just in the entertainment industry, but across the board in, in the world. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So you have to be careful um, and you have to be sharp as well. So it's very important to maintain relationships. Just be nice to people. Right. It doesn't take nothing just to smile and just to say thank you um and and those things will take you a long way like um and it took me to another situation where um i've been i'm very close friends with terry vaughn and Cass figures who who's a, an incredible writer, writer, writer. Um, she's written oh. yes mm. yes and she and and terry is a, she's a, an incredible a phenomenal actor and she's a, a phenomenal director. There you go. Um, so I was able, I was able to um, have an opportunity to be in a another movie, and mm-hmm. it was a Christmas movie <laughs> with um, David and Tamla Mann. Absolutely. <laughs> come on, now. come on, now. Keep, keep bragging, Tawanda. Keep bragging, Tawanda. Tawanda, go tea, go tea, go tea. I'm really embracing <laughs> the fact that I. This is something that I love, so I get excited about. You right. know, I don't. Mm-hmm. I mean, I talk about my music and I talk about singing with my family, but that to me, that's like second nature. That's like breathing. 
you know, but and that's something that was a family's business. This right. is my business. This Which is, is important. That, which is important. It's, it is so important, and that's why I mean, that's, so that's why I wanted to bring that out because a lot of a lot of times people they want to just label you on what they know about you, and what I try to right. do in money making conversations allow my guests to have a conversation and also to talk yes. about the things that excite yes. them because, like you know, I got my degree in mathematics. I went to work for IBM. Okay, okay. It's just like you mm-hmm. said, you know, you you know, family business singing. But that doesn't necessarily mean right. that I was going to be working at IBM for the rest of my life. So now, right. you know, it's time to right. explore what makes me happy, what motivates me to, to, to get out of bed. And you have to yes. take risks. There are, no, there are no guarantees. Now, it's a guarantee you can go on that stage and hit a note. Not to wonder. You go. Right. You, there's no right. guarantee you right. walk out. You know what I'm saying? Get out there and sing. Get out there and sing. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? That's like nothing. That's, that's like, yes. That's, 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 that's a so gift. That's a gift. Do. But a gift doesn't necessarily yeah. mean that's your passion. Right, you better speak on that. that Come is on now, absolutely Come on. That's, that's why I brought you on the show. You didn't know why you oh was coming on this God, show. You said, so "Okay, I hear about Rashawn McDonald. They, they got me scheduled for this show. Money make comes in. I'm gonna make this phone call and see what's going on. You know, just a little promotion. But I can't even tell everybody about your story. Your story of a motivation. Right. Your story about following your truths. And that's yes. what it all is yes. about, your truth. But, you know, we're in the business yes. of making money. So we'll do some things to make money, to pay the bills. But remember, in the end, before you die, before you before you give up hope, at least try to participate in what you really wanted to do. And so yes. so when I saw you at Misguided Behavior, I started smiling. I said, yeah, I remember oh, she came you. She came with Steve Harvey. She, I, I had a book on my show. And that was the first time I met you. It was a casual meeting. And then to see you there. Because yes. like, to, to me, reality shows are what they are. They're, they're reality. You know right. what I'm saying? They're, they're right. imp, 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 right. Some of ways are improvised and some of them are over, overarched. I'm not saying your show, but also in general. Right. And so, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. but that's not acting. And so when right, I saw a naturally not, talented person, skilled, look comfortable, because I know the difficulties of acting. When I look at acting, I go, oh, yeah. wow, I really appreciate people who can translate words. Because I did yes. sitcom, I sitcom from Jamie Foxx mm-hmm. to the Parkers, Sister, Sister. So I've seen my words come to life a lot. Right. And so right. to see you do that, Tawana, don't stop. Please don't stop. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. Thank cool. you. We're going to be right back, young lady. I'm going to go to this break. I'm, we're going to go to this break. Okay. I got to talk about your entrepreneurial career and also just talk about, okay. you know, what did you gain and, 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 and the lessons you learned of doing a reality series and things like that. But just, to, just okay. from the standpoint of just career, because we all know that's mm-hmm. a stepping stone and you want to bigger steps and higher steps on that ladder. I always like to stop the show for a minute because I'm, I'm, a, I'm an advocate. I did not go to an HBCU, but that doesn't stop me from being an advocate and promoting HBCUs because of the fact that the contributions that they bring to us that a lot of people don't recognize on a regular basis. Please tell us about attending HBCU and why you recommend you know individuals to go to black and white, male, female, to go to HBCUs. Well, you know what? First of all, um, when I was growing up and I went to in my secondary schools, it was predominantly white. Mm-hmm. And I have to say it, that um, I, I know this is going to sound bad to say, but culturally, um, it was a culture shock for me to even go to Bowie State University because right. mm-hmm. I saw so many of my people. But I think it's so important um, for us to embrace 
HBCUs, to support HBCUs, because that's how we learn. We mm-hmm. learn from other individuals that's in our own culture, you know, and that, I, I learned so much stuff that I didn't learn when I was in school, because, of course, they don't teach everything in, you know, your secondary schools. I mean, I learned about the ISIS paper. I learned, I mean, I just started reading stuff I had no idea about. Um, and then just culturally, we, as black people, we party different. We speak differently. Right. We support differently. Mm-hmm. And I just think that that's so important to go to an HBCU. And I pledged. I'm a Zeta. Okay. Then. And I'm a Sigma mm-hmm. sweetheart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Zeta I went all Beta. Come on now. Divine <laughs> Nine member. Okay. I'm, I'm, you're right, talking to right. an Omega Psi <laughs> Five man right now. Yeah. <laughs> right. So. Roof, roof. So I, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think this is what's so important. Come on now. So, and then. And then the reason that I even pledged uh, Zeta um, is because I went to this um, I went to this nonprofit dinner, and I had no idea that was sponsored by the Blue and White family. That's mm-hmm, Sigmundsburg, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And um, Mayor Barry was there. I mean, it was so many prominent people there because I'm from D, um, the DMV area. Um, and the dinner was in DC. And Babyface was, I just went because Babyface was performing. I got tickets, you know. Right. And he mm-hmm. gave us a table. So Babyface was performing. After Seven was there, Kevon and um, Elder Barge. They were right. performing. And then they started talking about. A lot, of, a lot of men with high pitched voices were performing. That's right. That's right. Right. That could really, really sing. Um, so they talking about the or you know how latchkey kids and the border babies and all of that, and I had no idea mm-hmm. that the blue and white family was connected to those organizations, and I was like, wow. And I'm not a person who really brags about everything that I right. do, or you know, I don't always want to paddle my back for supporting or helping someone, and that was more of my personality. So. I was like, oh, my God, I want to join the organization. And I became a Zeta and a Sigma Sweetheart. Congratulations. I always tell people, you know, Thank when I talk you. about HBCUs, there are over 100 HBCUs across the country. And they only enroll 20% of the African-American students. And despite constituting only 3% of four-year colleges in the country, HBCUs produce 80% of the black judges, 50% of the black lawyers, 50% yes. of the black doctors, 40% of the black engineers, 40% of the black mm-hmm. members of Congress, mm-hmm. 25% of mm-hmm. all black STEM graduates, and 13% of the black CEOs in America. That is why I needed to hear your story, Tawanda, because it's in that mix that we need to keep telling people when they every year talking about we need to why are we funding HBCUs? You know you have to. What else do we have? Really? Um, And and then another thing is I don't agree with like some of these HBCUs. Like why are they falling apart? Why are they falling by the wayside? Because even Bowie State University, Mm -hmm. who was the first teachers college in Maryland, might Mm -hmm. I add, black, Mm -hmm. sorry, the first black Mm -hmm. teachers college in Maryland, Mm -hmm. now is under the University of Maryland system. And I'm like, how did it happen? Right. Well, you know, I think that that's why I'm really promoting it. I got some things on the works that I'm going to be announcing in the month of August just to shine more light. And it's like anything, you know, you don't know about Ohio State. You don't know about Maryland because people it's promoted. And this yeah. brand has to be promoted yeah. and shine the light of success. Like those numbers that I'm talking about, they need to be shined on a regular basis, not only just I to African-Americans, but to the world. And people go, really? Yeah. What type of education are they yeah. doing over there? Education that. Mm-hmm. Your kid mm-hmm. can go to. Your kid can go yeah. to. Because it's a it's the it's uh, HBCUs are tied to diversity. Yeah. 
And that's something right. that, that a lot of people don't admit to happening. And so and so in 2011, when, when they, it was like a, a, a really st- a strategized campaign to try to diminish the accomplishments of HBCUs and it hurt mm-hmm. HBCUs. Mm-hmm. And so my yeah. motivation yeah. now is to like, OK, Rashawn, you know, this is what you do. You're marketing brand. And so whenever I have a fantastic person who's attending an HBCU like you, I always would like carve out a moment in the show. Do your thing, girl. Tap dance, boy. Right. Come on, do your thing. Let's do an HBCU moment. Yeah. Rashawn about to do it. Right. I'm, I'm gonna set aside my airtime for HBCUs, and it's gonna get bigger. Right. So to wonder, now that I know, now that I know, right. girl, <laughs> Zayda, Zayda, Zay, blue and white, blue and white. You gonna blue be here. White you gonna be here from your boy. But before, before we okay. get out here, I'll be remiss without if I don't talk about your entrepreneurship. And okay. and let's 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 talk about first of all. Um, you know, we talked about acting. Now we're going to talk about mm-hmm. Ladybug skincare. Yes. Now let's 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 set the Tawanda's deemed himself as responsible for you know okay acne, dull skin, and other skin impurities. It's a yes. new cosmetic cosmetic line. What inspired you to do this? Because you're naturally attractive. You got good skin. Like like I said, like they say, God gave it to you. Okay. Didn't have to work hard. You <laughs> see, you want the women that don't have to work hard for our face. Okay. Wake up face all good. Okay. But everybody not like you. Okay, Tawanda. Okay. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, I you know what? I'm I've always been a person who didn't really drink water. I right. don't like drinking I love water. water. I, water I love like, water. Oh my god. Oh my god. Bless your heart, it tastes like aspirin to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I always wanted my skin to look amazing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I met with Miss Charlotte Wilson, who is the skin god. Like, she's incredible with skin. Like, right. she does Porsche skin. She does, um, um, what's her name, Black China skin, whose in- her skin is impeccable. Mm-hmm. Um, she does uh, Lisa Ray skin. Her skin is, like, flawless. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cynthia Bailey. I mean, she does everybody's skin and then I, I met up with Miss Charlotte and I was like I want my skin to look like like I don't have any makeup on I don't want to wear makeup like that anymore and mm-hmm. she was like I got you um, and she was like Tawana you have good skin because I've, all, like I said I've always been into skin and I have skin envy like most women when you go to when you see a woman who has beautiful skin you always compliment her like oh my god your skin is beautiful um, so she said, let's do a line together. And I was like, oh my, I felt so honored that she was willing to do a line with me because like I said, she's a skin guy. Like that's amazing. Everybody wants to do a line with me, Charlotte. Um, so, um, she sent me some samples of different soaps and different combinations of things. And, um, we, we came up with, um, age is timeless. So it's a, it's an anti-aging, um, skincare line. And I'm, I'm a woman of a particular age now. I'm past 40. <laughs> so I used to have, <laughs> I used to, I used to look like a panda bear, like without makeup. Mm-hmm. I used to have dark circles underneath my eyes. And I thought it was because I wasn't drinking enough water. or wasn't right. getting enough rest, but it was because of my pigmentation. And a little of it is hereditary. So my dad used to have it, but right. he started using ladybug skincare. He doesn't have dark circles anymore. Okay. Um, okay. Stop. So, right there. stop. Um, that's my, right. I, that's my curse right there. <laughs> dark circles. You telling me, dark you telling, I'm going to get mad at you, Tawanda. Now, nah, cause your boy, gonna, don't get mad. I'm going to your boy going to make Just a purchase. Now nah. I'm going to make a purchase. You saying yes. that ladybug skincare can get rid mm-hmm. of dark circles. 
dark circles. Okay, yes. cool. Okay, I'm dark sold. Dark circles. I'm so. And 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 then it would get rid of some of the fine lines and wrinkles that's around your eyes that happens after you become a you know particular age. Um, and then and it rejuvenates and it restores and it takes away a layer of the dead skin that you've been carrying around for so long that you did not know that you were carrying around because you, you know, you were exfoliating, but you weren't exfoliating properly with the right ingredients. And Ladybug skincare is all natural. Yeah. Wow. Cause you know, I, I use Murad. I, I use Murad. You know, when I use, okay. you know, and so, you know, and that's expensive. Okay. So it's not oh, a question of, of you know, it's not a question of money with me. It's right. Getting the right, right product that right. will, that will, you know, right. just kind of hold back some days, not years, just hold back some days off my face. That's all. I'm just trying to hold back well, some days. That's all to want. Okay. And you're telling well, me, I'm, telling you I'm talking to the queen. It. Ladybugs skincare. You're talking to me. This is what we're going to do. See, see, I'm, first of all, I'm going to make an order, but, but I got to get the word out. I'm not saying you don't have the word. Yeah. Okay. I do right. a newsletter Correct. every Friday goes out at 9 a.m. every Friday to 90,000 of my fans. Every oh, Friday. Oh, that's amazing. Every Friday. Like last week, I had Yolanda Adams, her skin lotion, I and love Venus, her. Win, Venus Williams, her beauty line. I had Kelly mm-hmm. Rollins. Mm-hmm. I, had, I had Erica mm-hmm. Campbell, her wig line in there. So every four, I, every week, I feature four, you know, it's free. First of all, it's free. Let me just let you know. Okay. Free. And okay. I feature four entrepreneurs. That's what my show is about, you know, entrepreneurship and entertainment. And so, and so mm-hmm. I thought it'd be cool to put, you know, friends of mine, the people I didn't know, but your product is worth being it's a story being told out there and so if you can yes. get to me a banner and a, and a and a link or whatever you want to drive it to if you want to mm-hmm. do if you're doing a sale whatever you want to do i would put it in my newsletter no charge oh, it's never been you. a charge it's not tied to a charge because ladybug skincare first of all has me as a customer right now Okay, and Thank I'm going to just tell you something to wonder. <laughs> I'm one of them foolish people. Okay, when I like something, okay. I, 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 well, my wife will go, she go, boy, we just stop buying stuff. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> I like what I like. Okay. <laughs> yes. You're so, going to love it. I'm telling you. I no, have oh. so many success stories, and it makes me smile because that's just doing your skin. That's one thing that you can take yourself right and with your skin being the largest organ of your body and it just happens to be on the outside of your body why not make that one organ beautiful you right. know I just, I'm, I'm so excited about ladybug skincare um, I use it my family uses it Tamar uses it mm-hmm. and you know Right, and you already know Tamar is the type of person. Let me see, Twine. Let I me know, see it anyway. Let her me little see. country behind. Everybody don't know how country right. she is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I'm, I'm going to just tell you this, Twine. You owe me a banner. You got me as a customer. Uh, I, I, thank I, I, you. I just want to first of all thank you for coming on my show. I because oh, thank you for having uh, me. You know, everybody's doing my show. I feel so blessed that I get a person like you on my show and other other talent that's coming on my show and, and hearing about my brand and hearing how I want to just tell their story but but also promote their brands and promote what they're doing with their life besides the story that everybody knows you have an open book you are an HBCU grad you are a member of the divine nine a sorority queen (laughs) you are an entrepreneur (laughs) ladybug skincare and more importantly you are an actress an actress yes I am Thank you for coming to my show, Tawanda Braxton. Thank you for having me. Thank you. This was amazing. I mean, it went by so fast. It's like I'm talking to my home for my like my brother. There you go, girl. Well, that means that, but you yes. gotta give me that banner. You gotta give me that link so I can take I'm care of this relationship. Make sure you get it. I'm a, I will. I'm gonna call Vaughn and make sure he sends it to you. I appreciate you. Stay safe now, okay? 
Thank you. You too. Thank you. All right. My next guest, he's an HBCU grad. Graduate of Hampton <laughs> University. He obtained his bachelor's degree in 2004, master's degree in 2005, followed by his Ph.D. He's a doctor, y'all. He has dedicated his professional career to education, specializing in serving schools and organizations that serve urban and culturally diverse communities. Teach, Hustle, Inspire offers driven and passionate educators a transformational, a transformational experience in a way that is fun, engaging and life changing. Please welcome to Money Make Conversation for the very first time, Dr. Sean Woodley. Thank you so, so much for having me. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to be here. I'm amped, I tell you that. Hey, did I, did I get everything right, though? You know, you know I, I got to make sure I, I brought, you, <laughs> brought you to the forefront right, doctor. That's all I'm saying, man. Yeah. You, you, te- you teed me up very nicely, and I, <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you, sir. Where, 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 where are you at right now uh, in, in, this, in, this, in this country of America? Where are you at right now, sir? I'm not too far from you here in Atlanta. Okay, great, great. Um, you know, education. I, I you know, I come mm-hmm. from uh, Houston, Texas, born in Fifth Ward. Uh, my degree is in mathematics. Uh, my minor in sociology. So I know the importance of continued education. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always mm-hmm. tell people. Mm-hmm. I always tell young people, just go to college. It, uh, just, just see what college has to offer to you. How it changed mm-hmm. my life. Education changed my life. Mm-hmm. You know, I would not be talking to you because when I came out of high school. Uh, Sean, I wanted to be a forklift driver and got a job as mm-hmm. a forklift driver. That was my dream because mm-hmm. those were my mm-hmm. mentors. My mentors were guys who unloaded trucks when I was 15, 16 years old. I saw them. I went, wow, this is cool. And that stayed in my yes, mind sir. despite having my best friend. She graduated. She went to Rice and graduated. My other best friend, mm-hmm. she went to Purdue and graduated. So it wasn't like I, went, I was surrounded by a bunch of dummies. My whole little sure. crew was smart and I was smart, too, but I wanted to take the easy way out, a comfortable way out. I felt, mm-hmm. you know, you mm-hmm. get to that, get to that finish line real quick. But but what, but that wasn't the right finish line for me. So when we talk about education, that's your passion. I just want to tee it, it up for how, the type of conversation I'm going to have with you. And we're going to go into a lot of things in these uh, in this call we have today. But I want to let you know the guy you're talking to was a guy who who. Was 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 not there. I was not. I was not motivated to pursue sure. a four year opportunity in, in academics, and uh, and it, it and it changed my life. So, talk to us about uh, uh, education from your standpoint. I firmly believe that education in, in is just really it's a key that can unlock so many doors in so many different directions. One of the limiting things that I'm working very, very hard for, particularly in urban and culturally diverse schools, as you mentioned, is exposure. We need to be sure that we, the, the bright young scholars in these four wall, in the four walls of these classrooms across this country are being exposed so that they have something to shoot for. And education can do that. What are we exposing them to? What are we allowing them to see? And more importantly, what are we allowing them to see and how they fit into that as, and can be a contributing member to society? Mm-hmm. What are we showing them? What are we putting them? And how does it connect to their everyday lives? Whether we understand the value and importance of that or not, it is absolutely critical. We need to make sure that we are showing these students what is possible. And that's why I work so hard so that they can see something to shoot for. Let that serve as the engine that drives them, whether it is that four-year degree, whether it's that a two-year degree, mm-hmm. whether it is a trade, something beyond just going to do the quote-unquote 
bare minimum. Am I making sense? Absolutely, because I always tell people that, you know, you can't repo a degree. Okay, my degree mm. on that wall. Mm. Nobody's gonna come back and say, "Hey, man, you know some." Uh, I'm gonna take that back. They can't do that. I earned that. Can't you know, do it. You know, can't you, can't, you can't call me stupid. You can't call me a dummy. Mm-hmm. It's right there. Okay, mm-hmm. what story are you telling that I've been recognized as a person who knows how to apply himself? I'm goal oriented. Okay, and I know how to finish what I start. That's what mm-hmm. the degree means to me. And when I talk about when yeah. I listen to your passion, it's a it's a passion that I didn't have because I didn't understand. And so sure. and we know that the uh, stopgap or the uh, the or the jump off point in this game of competition that we call in this country, we call America is education because it's not equal. Yeah. Education is not it's equal. Not. And so which it, leads it to it a different not. story. And I think the private sector, private sector should come in and, and stop trying. That we should stop trying to get the government to fix the situation. I feel I believe the mm. private sector sector come in because they're the ones who seek our money in movies. Seek our money yes. in Android phones. They seek our money in technology. They seek our money in grocery stores. They seek our money in so mm-hmm. many different ways, but they don't return that money to us when it comes to yeah. lifestyle, when it comes to education, making a difference in our community. Because we they've 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 developed a nice system. They keep the money, they don't help out anybody but themselves. Okay. Sure, sure. And then sure. they said the government is supposed to do that. So so that's one of the things that we know when I look at this change in our community, civil unrest, the pandemic, you know, I'm sitting down trying to create an agenda, a plan of yeah. action. And the plan of action is the old way ain't going to work for the new way. So we have that's to have right. put a new plan in place for the new way to even have a shot at working. And it has to include yeah. the private sector. And that's that's mm-hmm. a, that's a statement mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. And when I talk to mm-hmm. to worldly people like you, educated people like you who know what I'm talking about, when I say education is not equal because it's tied it's to it's tied to property tax, you know, yeah. it's tied to the yeah. lotto program in each state, which doesn't really do anything for education, like they say, because most of the program goes, most of the money goes to the company that sets up the lotto. And that's so right. and so these things. Drive me. And, uh, I've been fortunate, man. You can Google my name, and there's a lot of things come up about me. So you have you have an image of who I am, or an idea of who yes, I am. Sir. Who is Dr. Sean Woodley? Let me tell you something, Dr. Sean Woodley is. Um, I'm a husband. Mm-hmm. I am a father. I am a believer, and I am an educator. Mm-hmm. I, I do a lot of things under that education umbrella, but it all boils that back down to being an educator. I, I get to leverage my creativity yes, um, in what I do, and that has that fuels my passion for entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. I, I've been able to uniquely combine the field of education and entrepreneurship to not only do what I love, but serve others while doing it. It, it's like the it's, it's like a beautiful mix that allows me to be who I authentically am at this while at the same time giving back and contributing to society, making a difference in the lives of teachers who will evidently make a difference in the lives of their students. That That is who I am. And that is how I think that is what I believe God's gift to me is to give to the world. 
Right. You know, when I when I look at your your HBCU grad, I said that in your credits, Hampton State University. And, you know, I'm going to just tell you this, Dr. Uh, Dr. Sean, uh, I get a lot of HBCU uh, Hampton uh, guests on my show. I think it because yes, of my uh, executive producer of the show. She graduated from Hampton University. I think she that really. I, yeah, she graduated. <laughs> and I seem to get a lot of. A lot. Talented, mm -hmm. I'm not disappointed in any of the guests. I'm just telling you straight out. Straight outstanding yep, guests yep. like you come on my show from Hampton University. But I think, I think <laughs> she's using my brand to promote the brand of Hampton University, which is an outstanding HBCU school. So tell us about your HBCU experience and the value of attending a school like an HBCU school like Hampton University. Let me tell you something. Hampton University is my family. Mm -hmm. I, I stand by it. And it was absolutely one of the best decisions I've ever made. Right. The mm -hmm. reason that I ended up at Hampton, or I, 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 I grew up in New York and my father, uh, raising us in the church, he was a musician. Mm -hmm. So Hampton university every year during the summer has a ministers and musicians conference that my father attends all the time. Right. He's the one that told me about Hampton university. This goes back to what you mentioned earlier about kind of why, how we can, promote the idea of education to the youth. Right. I was never told in high school about HBCUs, about what schools like Hampton, A&T, Spelman, Morehouse. I was never exposed to those things other than what my family told me. And I'm so glad that my dad put that battery in my back at a young age to be aware of what Hampton was doing and how it could benefit me. Uh, he took me down there to take a tour of the campus. We went as a family, my mom, my brothers. <laughs> and, and after that, we, you know, my, I have two uh, younger siblings, actually three, excuse me, that are HBCU attendants and or graduates. Mm -hmm. So like this is something that I feel I was able to set an example for them because of what my dad and my mom showed me mm -hmm. and my as we like to say, my matriculation <laughs> at that wonderful institute. You know, it was it was life altering for right. me, if I could say that. I mean, I, what I've learned there, who I met, it, it was it was a microcosm mm -hmm. of just really love and education um, that you yearn for that you cannot get at another PWI. It, 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 you can't get that. If ask any HBCU grad, and they'll tell you about that family element that you just. You, you can you can imitate, but you can't duplicate that. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I'm talking to my <laughs> man, Dr. Sean Woodley. He is a Hampton University HBCU 2004 Absolutely. bachelor's degree. Huh? Absolutely. Absolutely. 2004 <laughs> bachelor's degree, 2005 master's degree, then followed it up with his PhD. We're going to be back and more talk about his brand of education, his books, all those great things. First of all, he know now about money making conversation. You know, a lot of people call my show. They call, you know, people tell them it's a show to mm -hmm. call. But once they get in, they, they hear how I talk, they hear my passion. They say, mm -hmm. this brother right here, he's on my list now. So when I call, when he, when, when he called me to be on this show, I will respond absolutely with an A-OK. -okay. It took me seven years to get my degree. Uh, I was arrogant. I thought I'd be in and out. But what I did when I went to college, I was just trying, I'm going to tell you something, Dr. Sean, I was just trying to go to, I was trying to find an easy degree. 
Okay. The first four and a half years, I was looking for the easy degree. My friends go, he's an easy teacher. He's an easy teacher. I went to, and when they had no symptoms of what that had to do with my degree plan. Uh -oh. I was trying to find the easy <laughs> teachers. I found them all. And then I found one easy teacher in physics that gave me an elf. That woke me up. <laughs> that woke me up because they realized that you have to work. Life is about working hard and being consistent. And when I look at your brand, when you talk about education, you have to be consistent and you have to create a yeah. model that people can believe in and can use to teach other people. Talk about your brand a little That's bit, it. Dr. Sean. Sure, sure. Uh, I'm, I preach and teach, teach, hustle, inspire. And, mm -hmm. and here's what it means. Teach, hustle, inspire is not just three particular words that I randomly put together and threw it up as a logo. They have intention behind each of those. When I talk about teach, it's about how we unlock our students and our own intellectual treasure. That's what it means. How can we create transformative learning experiences right. for ourselves, for our students in our classroom? That hustle part, that, that's my favorite part. Mm -hmm. so that, that hustle is about how we can't stop and won't stop learning, Mr. McDonald. You mm -hmm. see here, and it kind of has that 90s Diddy Bad Boy vibe twinge mm -hmm. to it just, just a little bit. That, yes, that, that's my personality getting mm -hmm. there in there a mm -hmm. little bit. But how do we keep, how do we stay on top of the current research? How do we stay on top of what we need to know to continue? Because see, education don't stop. Education does not stop. How do we continue to learn to be, be the best we can for ourselves and our students? And that inspire, it means to spread love and light. What we do as educators, it can be a thankless profession sometimes mm -hmm. with the inequities in the curriculums that we see, with the inequities in distribution of funds. We sometimes we feel like we're all we have. So we have to be sure that we're spreading that love and light to one another, pouring back into ourselves and taking care of ourselves so that we can take care of our families. You, you can't give from a well that's empty. It's really amazing uh, when I look, when I think about, it, you know, we're in 2020. We still talk about mm -hmm. unequal education and we still yeah. talk about, uh, you know, denying people an opportunity to, to get an equal education. And that's usually tied mm -hmm. to the community that you grow up in. And you're in Atlanta, mm -hmm. you're in the South. And, mm -hmm. we know, yeah. that, that which really was the reason we have HBCUs, because it was yeah. a time where yeah. the, the Southern schools wouldn't let a black person in a school. And then the Northern school had quotas. Right limitations. So it was our necessity that we had to create these HBCUs, which are now the backbone of our education, especially for African-American success stories in this country today. That's one of the reasons why I, I, I take the time to be able to articulate the value and the need. Now, when you talk about education and you, you, you broke down the, the whole teach, hustle, inspire, what it's all about. But how did it come about? You know, what was the what what what, what launched it, though? Dr. Sean, what launched it? That came from a need for me to try and find a unique and creative way to pour into the lives of educators right. and give back. I, I'm, I'm a speaker and consultant, and, you know, all in the, under the umbrella of educating. That is, that is what I do. Right. I wanted to find something that could connect us in the education world, something especially those of us that serve in urban and culturally diverse communities, because there are specific challenges that we are simply at a fundamental level not prepared to deal with. 
And again, it's not because something is wrong. It's just that we are not prepared. So I created this with the mind, uh, with the mindset of how can I help prepare dedicated and talented educators to face the challenges that can arise in urban and culturally diverse communities so that we can now move this agenda forward and balance these scales a little bit. But it really just came from my desire to want to serve, to want to unite and start a movement. And I just, it's its not something that I just thought of one particular day, the Teach, Hustle, Inspire right, kind yeah. of, it, it seems like it came out of nowhere, but what you're seeing are the results of years, yes. years yes. of research, years of practice and years of trial, error, failing, fail again, fail forward, fail some more, try it again. That, what you're seeing now are the results of that. And this is just the beginning. That's, that's powerful words. Um, and so those are some of the obstacles. When you say obstacles, you know, it was one of the questions mm -hmm. they sent over to me. Um, is, are, are the obstacles uh, disbelievers or obstacles yourself sometimes doubting? whether this, mm -hmm, this, mm -hmm. this will be received. What exactly are the obstacles that you're talking about? Some of the obstacles um, definitely do come in the form of self-sabotage and questioning whether or not you are the one that should be doing this right. as, as far as Teach Hustle inspires, right. inspires concerned. Mm -hmm. that, that can, the obstacles can start from within and if I'm not careful, if I'm not emotionally aware enough to examine that it is nothing more than just self-sabotage and that I can overcome that, it can be something that consumes me. But my passion and desire and understanding to know that I'm called to do this outweighs those obstacles and makes them speed bumps as opposed to hurdles. Mm. So now what I can do is with the understanding that, and not to get churchy on you, but God doesn't call the qualify, he qualifies the called. I understand that this is a mission for me and that I'm growing and that as long as I stay true to who I am and what the good Lord has for me, I can't fail. Oh, no, you won't. You won't. That's why I set up this show, my friend. It's passion, yes, faith driven and the information that I give through my faith and through my passion, I educate people who listen and follow my brand. So we're on the same yeah. page. Now, tell us about yes, your sir. upcoming um, conference for urban educators. Sure, sure. I, I wanted to create a unique experience called the Super Teachers Summit. And what happens is this is going to be a unique online virtual event. We, we you know, we have to be cautious with everything happening coronavirus wise about large gatherings and so forth. But that still doesn't put a stop on the work that needs to be done because come August, September, there are still children that are going to need to be educated. Thank you. So I wanted to come up with a unique way to garner educators' attention to help solve some of the problems that they will inevitably face. And I created this unique event to be an online interactive virtual experience more than just someone sitting in front of a screen and then now, all right, everything is gone in one ear and out of the other. I wanted to make this a little bit more than simply just your average teacher conference, if you will. And so I, I gave it a theme 
I embedded some of the research and some phenomenal speakers that I know of that are really doing the work in mm-hmm. this field. Mm-hmm. And I'm putting together what I know will be a dynamite event in August. I'm It'll be very August. Excited about so it. is, is there a set date for August yet or just August still planning? Still planning. It's going to be the first weekend in August. Okay, cool. I just want to make sure I want to be a part mm-hmm. of that. Whatever I can do to promote it through my social or my newsletter, go to our weekly every Friday at 9 a.m. I'll make you a part of that uh, conversation. Before, I was a couple of things I want to talk about before we leave. I want to, sure. I, I did not read your best selling book, MC Means Move the Class How to Spark Engagement and Motivation in Urban and Culturally Diverse Classroom. Tell us about that. And then I also want a closing response from you about what's going on in America right now. Okay. Absolutely. The, the book for me came from my experiences teaching. I, I spent 10 years um, teaching in urban schools. Yes, sir. And while doing that, because I was a, I, I knew that there were things that I wanted to do. I had a side hustle as a DJ. So literally, Mr. McDonald, I would pull up to the schoolyard and <laughs> teach during the day and be in the club at night with my turntables in the back, literally. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. And it was, it was so fun. Yeah, I mean, you talk about parties, clubs, weddings, bar mitzvahs, barbecues, it doesn't matter. If they had, if they were paying and needed music services, I was in there. And so what I began to notice is that I I was growing as a DJ and growing as an educator simultaneously. And some coincidental, not, not coincidental, some emerging commonalities started to really make way about both professions, about being a teacher and about being a DJ. And so really that, that MC, see, you know, back in the day when I grew, I grew up on Long Island and Eric B and Rockin had from Eric B as president, the song, um, excuse me, um, Eric B as president in that second verse where Rockin talks about Eric B on the cut. Scratching and mixing, no mistakes allowed, because to me, MC means move the crowd. Mm-hmm. And that line always stuck to me. Mm-hmm. It really, because what stands out about that is what Rakim was telling us is that his his role as an MC, it's, it's not just a position, it's a responsibility, Mr. McDonald. Right. That's, that's my responsibility to move this crowd. Right. So I took that and, and with that same mindset, it's my responsibility to move this class. And as a DJ, as a, as a teacher, you know, in both roles, I'm a motivator. I am the reason that you're going to in this club dance or I'm the reason in this classroom you are going to learn. In both roles, I curate specific content so that when and the timing of when it is placed to create an absolute experience for either the people in the club or the students in my classroom making real-time decisions, making sure that I am on top of everything and making sure that I can change when needed, making those adjustments to really read the crowd and feed off of that energy. It becomes sick. Wow, that's hot. You know, uh, that's hot because I hear the passion. I hear the planning. I hear it's it's authentic. That's what I hear the most, doctor. And that's why it, that's why, that's why it works. Because it's not something you made up. It's, it's tied to a journey. And a, a journey in the world that we're living in right now is, um, I, I did an interview this morning and I, and I was telling them that one out of 1,000 black men and boys will be killed by a police officer. That's one out of 1,000. Mm. 
That's 2.5 times higher than white men and white boys. And when people ask us, why, why the unrest? Why the protests? What is your response, Dr. Sean Woodley? Hello? You cannot tell the oppressed, essentially. It's been quoted and said so many times, but you can't tell the oppressed how to respond to their oppression. You can't do that. What you're seeing are the results of years of and years and years, hundreds of years of outcries, hundreds of years of just simply making a plea not to be treated better, Mr. McDonald, but being treated the same. Yes. That's all we want. Yes. That's, that's at the end of the day, we just want it to be treated the same. And so now what has resulted from that is the the emotional outburst mm-hmm. of a people that has been held down far too long. Absolutely. I always tell people, I just want my child to have a better life than I had. And I think that that's anybody it. who's not my color wants the same thing. So just give me my shot. But when I'm stopped by the police, don't allow, allow me not to be afraid. Now, allow me to not believe that yes. this might be a stop I might not drive away from. That's all I'm asking. Yes, sir. And when I say yes, one sir. out of 1,000, that's an incredible number to publicly say. This documented story came out of the Los Angeles time. I read it and, been, have, mm-hmm. and, and I've been horrified ever since. Dr. Sean Woodley, yes, I hope you enjoyed coming on my show. It's a, it's a journey. It's a journey about it it's your journey I wanted to share with my listeners on Money Making Conversations. And know you have a friend. And, uh, and when, the, when the conference comes out, the Urban Educators Conference comes out in August, if you want to come back, the doors open. If you want to just send banners, the doors open. And I will promise you, I'll promote it in my newsletter, which goes out to 90,000 people every Friday at 9 a.m. And I put it on my social media for Money Making Conversations. I would okay. love that. Mr. McDonald, thank you so much. Thank you for coming to my show. My next guest is a comedy legend. I can only put it like that. He is a legend. I had the good fortune of meeting him several times when I managed Steve Harvey. And he made a surprise visit on stage when I was producing BET's Comic View. So I know him well. He makes his Netflix original comedy special premiere with... We'll do it for half. I saw it twice. It's brilliantly funny. He's an entrepreneur with restaurants based on authentic Mexican cuisine from his grandmother's traditional recipes. He has toured with some of my favorite comedians like Eddie Griffin, D.L. Hughley, and Cedric the Entertainer. And most importantly, he is a trailblazer when he starred in his self-produced ABC sitcom. His stand-up comedy specials examines race, ethnic relations, and especially the Mexican-American culture. Please welcome to Money Making Conversations, my man, George Lopez. How are you, sir? Pretty Wonderful good. to hear your voice. Hey, my man, you know, uh, I saw the special. They sent me a little link so I could see it early. So I want to make sure I saw it before I interviewed you. And uh, how do you George? Okay, first of all, when somebody calls you a comedy legend, what is that? How do you feel when somebody says that about you? You know, I mean, it's it's so... If there, if there were doctors, you know, there's so many different doctors in, right. different, right. in different variety of fields, you know. So someone would say... You know, he's a scientist, he's a biotech scientist, he's a heart doctor, he's a brain surgeon, this guy's a dentist, this guy's a general practitioner, OBGYN, you know, oncologist. So I look at myself as almost a bit of a multi-faceted uh, doctor. You know, one of the things that uh, on this 41-year journey yes. that, I, <laughs> that I did, you know, I grew up very alone. I grew up without a male figure. I never knew my father. Mm-hmm. I didn't know my mother. My grandparents were very, you know, removed from me. And, you know, there was just something growing up 
that made me feel like I was different than everybody else. Not better, just different. And I, I couldn't put my finger on it, but it was that feeling of being different or having a better instinct than everybody that surrounded me that made me do something that was probably the most terrifying thing anybody could ever do and do it for years yes. without ever seeing any improvement. So legend in the mind of, of, of the people, but uh, just somebody who, you know, worked hard to create a different narrative than the narrative that I saw. I'm going to tell you something. Uh, being a former stand-up comic, did Def Comedy Jam, did all the, all the comedy specials myself. I've been blessed like that. So when I saw your special, and I've seen your specials in the, in the past as well, one of your funny, well, all your specials are funny. One of them that really made me laugh was when you, I think Cedric Entertainer was backstage and when you ended the show, you crawled through your your name to get off stage. Yeah. Man, yeah. I laughed so hard on that one, George. What was running through your mind? That was funny, dude. Well, you know, we, that, that one we did live at the Kennedy Center, which right. was, I was there for Eddie Murphy's Mark Twain. Mm -hmm. And then as I stood there and I got a couple of jokes off and I got a huge response, I thought, you know, if I'm going to do my HBO special, they wanted to do it in, on Broadway. You couldn't find a theater. Mm -hmm. But then being there at Eddie's place, I thought, you know, I like this room. It's a perfect size. It's a great uh, place. Mm -hmm. You know, politically where we were with the wall and then... Everybody was afraid of having the American flag upside down. Right. Because upside down means distress. Mm -hmm. And as we had a meeting months before the production, because they had to start to build the set, we were under an agreement that the director, Troy Miller, who's an incredible director, did Arrested Development, crazy stuff, that we told him that we weren't going to put the flag upside down. But he said, hell no, man, we're putting the flag upside down. So it wasn't until I got there that day to rehearse that we noticed that the flag was upside down. Mm -hmm. And then he said, hey, gee, you know, at the end of your show, you should crawl under the wall here. And I said, man, my fat ass. I said, my fat ass ain't going to fit under that. He goes, yeah, you'll fit. And and I did it, man. I man, it. I'm telling you something, man. I laughed so I went to grab my wife and played that back. I said, look at this fool. He... He crawled under his name, under the wall, and then backstage, Cedric was laughing, man. That was just, that's what uh, I'm talking about, legendary stuff, man, because as a stand-up, you know, I know the pressure it takes to be able to go on stage, be original, and when I look at you, when I watch this special, man, I, this is my, this is what I say about stand-up. When I look at a special, I go, wow, I, I would have never thought of that joke. I wouldn't never throw that joke. And that would, that's your special, man. And, and it's on Netflix and, uh, it's your very first one on the Netflix and we'll do it for half. And, and just tell us about the whole process of getting it over to Netflix and, and taping it in San Francisco. Well, you know, let, let me say, let me say this before, you know, cause you just stand up. So one thing I think inherited in everyone is yes, some people, everybody has a sense of humor, mm -hmm. whether they take themselves too serious or they need to lighten up, or they're dry. One of the things about about comedy and comedians is even the odds of even getting a little bit of light shown on you is so nearly impossible. Right. But, you know, there's so many guys that I saw growing up and that I saw in the clubs in the 80s, 90s, in this last 20 years that were so good that were so clever, that were great writers, and whatever fortune, whatever fate, didn't let anything shine on those guys. And as, as much as the world needs laughter, there's a whole group of comedians who are incredibly funny, 
that no one will ever hear of. That's why whatever you do, do it because you love it. Because, you know, there's no guarantee that you're not going to be one of those cats that gets any love. But if you feel good about what you do, then you, that's already becoming a success. You know, success isn't like everybody knows your name and right. people see you. Yeah, that, that, that's great. But the one thing is that you never loosen, you never loosen your grip on something that you can't really get a grip on. Like, I think you work harder when you get a little love and you start to do theater, you start to do arenas, you start to meet the people that you started to, to meet on the way up. I've seen a lot of guys fade out, but I always worked the hardest when I had my show, when I had my talk show, when I had the specials. So it's just been something that I've never been able to relinquish. So going to San Francisco and going to the Warfield and knowing the history of it, yes. knowing that Jimi Hendrix played there, Janis Joplin, Santana, Nirvana, the Grace of Dead, everybody that's anybody's been in there. And, you know, it, you can do it anywhere. But when you do it in a place that has historical significance, going to the Apollo, Chris Spencer asked me to do this thing at the Apollo, and going there, it may not mean anything to anybody else. That's not for me to decide. But what it meant to me to be on stage at the Apollo, to go to the Warfield, to go do Radio City is beyond, you know, anybody's true imagination or level of appreciation. I'm just, I'm just kind of honored to be able to do the things that I've always wanted to do. And I, and, that, and, and thank you for explaining that because I remember I was producing uh, BET's Comic View, and you may not remember this. And J. Anthony Brown was hosting that that run of BET's Comic View, and you came, and uh, and we were trying to get you to go on stage. You said, "Oh no, this is not my thing. This is not my thing. You know, it's y'all. I'm just here to watch and just wish everybody good luck." And I remember we, we got you to go on stage, and you walked on stage. We introduced you, and a whole room of black people stood up and gave you a standing ovation. And that to me, you know, because you know you're always famous with your group you know like uh, you know like Jerry Seinfeld he famous with his crowd and you know and you you establish your brand of just being a funny guy but in my mind the Mex-American culture was your was your was your home run and when I walk when I saw you walk out there George and these black people stood up because you know black people just like Hispanics you know they don't they don't give it up oh, yeah. unless they respect it okay yeah. and when they walked out there mm -hmm. and gave you a standing ovation man I went this dude got it man he got something extra going on in his life and I just I just that's why I call you a legend man because when you cross all these different lanes man with respect that's beautiful dude that's beautiful you know it, you know I was my grandmother raised me my grandmother was in my act, I would say, you know, my grandmother was, was racially <laughs> insensitive, like, like your grandmother's, like everybody's <laughs> grandmother's racially insensitive. So part of my material is about her relationship with African-American people yes. and them coming to the door, not opening the door, <laughs> her relationship with black people saying, you know what, like I said, I said my first girlfriend, here's a, here's a true story. And it, it hurts, and it's still funny to this day. Like, when I was in seventh grade, there was this girl that looked like Get Christy Love. She was in seventh grade. Mm -hmm. Her name was Christina Husky. Fro, light-skinned, tall, beautiful, and she liked me. And all my friends gave me a hard time, and I would walk with her to class. And, and I, you know, I dug her, and she was cool. She lived on the other side of the street from where I lived, the main street, and one day I was walking home with her and my grandmother, I guess, must have got off work early and saw me 
and rolled the window down and honked the horn and did a U-turn on San Fernando Mission, rolled the window down and says, hey, Shaft, get your ass home to call me Shaft. Mm-hmm. When I was wa- walking with this African-American girl, mm-hmm. I don't know how the fuck you knew what, who Shaft was, mm-hmm. but she's like, hey, Shaft, get home, you know? <laughs> and she flipped out. So I said, so what? What if I like a black girl? She goes, oh, no, 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 no. I said, why, why, why is it your concern? She goes, because I don't like them, and if you do, they're going to see me with you, and they're going to think I like them, and I don't. I mean, that's how she thought. Right, right. And then, right. And then, in, and then in school, Christina came over to me one day and said she didn't feel that I should spend any more time with her because people wouldn't get it, and it was just becoming an issue. Mm-hmm. And 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 we, ne- I never walked her to class. I never walked her home from school after that. And you know what? I was a young kid, still made quite an impression on me. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, in order to look at stand up as all of the stand up mm-hmm. being racially insensitive to different groups, especially Latinos, was part of my mix. So you can't pull one thing out and say, you know, he's racist towards African-American people when I've said worse things about everybody else. One of the things that made Richard Pryor or Dick Gregory or, you know, uh, George Carlin or made anybody you, Steve, Cedric, D.L., Eddie Griffith, who makes anybody anything, is not the, if you're going to shoot the gun, shoot the gun. Don't hold the gun and not shoot it. Then put the gun down. So in comedy, if you're going to take the shot, take the shot. That's right. Don't dance around the shot. Don't, 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 don't hem and haw. Don't look at an audience and say, I can't do that. You know, there's so many people that I can't do that. The honesty is what gets the respect and and the legacy is somebody never pulling a punch. Now, I'm talking to George Lopez, the brilliant George Lopez. He has a Netflix special that's coming out uh, June 30th, uh, Tuesday, June 30th. It's called We'll Do It For Half. We'll Do It For Half. Uh, When I started your interview, George, I told you I watched your special twice. Okay. And this is why I watched this. But first of all, I enjoyed it. And then I remember, you know, as we all, we, we, in, the, in the beginning, we just want to get a stage so we can tell some jokes so we can be funny. That's the goal. Just to be funny, go from an opener to a middle act to a headline, get that, get that first class ticket and you, you traveling and all that good stuff. And anything else that comes along is a blessing. Okay. That's the, that's the life of a stand up, of, of the average stand up comic in this country right now. Now, then I went to your website and I saw, your brand. I saw restaurants. I saw uh, brew halls. I saw uh, your foundation. I saw uh, COVID-19 face mask. I saw we can't breathe t-shirts. And so so now when I look and I said, then I looked at your special again and I put into perspective all that weight that you're now carrying on stage with you now. When you're performing. See, in the beginning, you didn't carry all that weight, employees and, no. and COVID-19 and all that stuff. All that's going on stage with you now. And that's and a lot of people don't understand that to be funny, man, under that amount of global understanding gave me a, a truly different perspective and appreciated your comedy even more when I saw it the second time. You understand where I'm coming from? Absolutely. You know, um, uh, I think everybody liked me when my show started. You know, my show wasn't a, a huge hit, but it did 120 episodes. It did, you know, five and a half years on ABC, which I had a company, but that was the family show with an edge. But I'm going to tell you right now that I lost a lot of people, including Latino people. When I started to vocalize and I started to have my opinion on issues, 
but also at the Grammys in 2008, February 2008, the election was in November of eight, Chris Rock called me on a Monday after the Grammys and said, can I give Barack Obama your telephone number? Because he wants to ask you, you know, something about your support. Hillary Clinton's office had sent a fax to the office, very impersonal. And uh, I said, sure. So I'm watching CNN at 1.52, Barack Obama's campaigning, he's a senator, and it's at 1.55 and he's leaving. And I said, there is no way that this guy is gonna call me at two o'clock. If I'm watching CNN and he's leaving an event, there's no way. Right. Call, call at 2.30 or three. Two o'clock, phone rings, hello? Uh, uh, George Walter, yes. Hold for the senator. George, Barack Obama, how are you? Hey, I saw the TV, yeah, yeah. I said, he said, listen, I don't know where you are politically, but you know, the Latino vote means a lot to me. I think the communities have a lot in common. I said, listen, man, you know, I will help you. And then I did what maybe was the most difficult thing to do in Texas and South Texas is I would go to these theaters and people would be lined up to see me twice in an afternoon. Mm -hmm. I would talk about a half an hour. There'd be a political, the mayor, and there'd be some political speeches. And then I would go do a half hour, maybe 45 minutes. And then I would say that I'm going to support Barack Obama. And they would boo and they would yell and they would hiss. And I would be like, listen, 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 wait a minute. Hang on a second. They would fucking walk out on me. And then I kept on the message. I stayed and I started to say, listen, you're going to vote for somebody just because she's not African-American. That's why you go buy the same beer every time because your dad brought it bought it, you gotta buy the same soap because your mom bought it. I said, there's choices and we shouldn't just follow it. Man, it was the most difficult to have your own people mm -hmm. turn on you for your political stance of getting someone to who's different, who's African American. Mm -hmm. A lot of there's a lot of racial division between our cultures as Absolutely. well. And they just they just didn't get it until I kept doing it and he started to do it. But one time in New Mexico, we had a rally out there by U of M and uh, they tore the gates down trying to get in. They expected 20,000 people. That's 50,000 people out there. Wow. You know, they turn them around. It's amazing thing. And uh, when I'm talking to you, I'm talking, I'm almost I'm talking to a historian. Okay, and that's a compliment right yeah, there because you. when you yeah, say well, for, you. forty-one years of comedy, man, because we are people. People understand by comedy comedians, good comedians, we really just document things and then we twist them on stage. But we really are telling the truth in a way. If you just really broke down what we'll say, we just make it just make it. We make it funny because we make real sharp left or right turns, and that's where the humor comes mm -hmm. from. But we're really just telling mm -hmm. you the truth. And when I when I look at uh, COVID nineteen, if you don't mind me talking about it right quick, it's affecting oh. the Hispanic community, the Latino community, and the and the black community is being devastated by the COVID nineteen. And then I went on the website, and I and I was so happy to see that you are doing your part, providing COVID nineteen face masks. How did you get into that, and what motivated you to participate at that level? Well, first of all, you know we're not and and. Let's not even go in to talk about medical and our medical conditions. So I had a kidney transplant in 2005 from when I was married. My, my wife, Anne, gave it to me. But this was stuff that should have been detected when I was a child. I went to bed. You know, kids went to bed. You know, and instead of saying that maybe there's something wrong, because there was something wrong. I just didn't do it because I drank so much water I couldn't keep it in. And I mean, I had a narrow ureter. I was born early. 
went undetected. I could have had both my original kidneys if I had come from a culture where when somebody wets the bed, you take them to the doctor. If I would have had a blood test, if I'd have had an MRI or something, I could have saved myself. So, so the fact that we ignore situations of our health until clearly we can't get out of bed, I knew something was wrong. So, so with COVID and a, and a, and a compromised immune system mm-hmm. and knowing that, that it can spread the family and that it's invisible and that you had to take it serious, it was a no-brainer, man, to, to get involved in the mask, to donate money to charity, to try to get people uh, the mask as well. But also, you know, let's talk about D.L. Hughley who uh, we go asymptomatic. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So you look at pre-existing conditions, but also I said this, you know, and I haven't talked to him about this, but I just feel like as, as you never want to fall out on stage, you never want to fall out anywhere. Could have been driving, could have been anywhere. That may have been the best thing for him personally, because if it had happened in a hotel room, he probably would have thought, I'm fatigued, I didn't eat, I've been traveling, and, and, and look past the COVID until maybe it was further along and now it was more serious. Right. So he raises that fact that he fell out in, in Nashville. A larger issue is that maybe we shouldn't be rushing back to the clubs as comedians and as an audience because uh, this is a real, real thing. And as hard as it is to get by, because a lot of us don't have disposable income, mm-hmm. you only have one life, and that's the life that you need to protect. I was right. Talking to George Lopez. His comedy special examines race, ethnic relations, especially the Mexican-American culture. Anything different in this special that's airing on Netflix uh, on June 30th, George Lopez? You know, I think Other than you just being incredibly funny. You're being funny now, dude. You, and uh, I, I want to tell you, I, you have I, to I, do two specials. You do one in English and you do one in Spanish. You know that, right? That's true. Yeah. So, so I think I think creating the narrative of the uncle that was like going to the doctor, had gangrene on his foot, had right. kidney disease, had heart disease, creating a alter ego, also you know using wanting to know where all the food comes from, uh, wanting to be in other people's business, all this whole thing about Karens and all these people. If they have one thing consistently, is they're all older yes. white women. Yes. Because everybody else has found a way to mind your own business. When I was married, I was married to a woman that if she saw a, ki- a kid without uh, uh, a parent, she, and the parent was sitting down two feet away, she's like, you shouldn't leave your kid unattended. I said, Ann, you're going to get knocked out. You know, mind your own business. Right. <laughs> so we as a culture mind our own business. But when someone thinks they're superior to you, they don't have a problem walking up to you in a restaurant when you're eating, asking why you're not wearing a mask. But if someone sees me or sees anybody of color in a convenience store and you're starting to throw uh n-word around you start to throw some disrespect you're going to take you're going to take a two-piece combo right by the five-hour energy drinks and those vitamins that could stop your heart <laughs> you're too much man Listen, you're too much you're too much every one every one of those ladies has taken what they deserve. They told that lady that Mexican oh lady, God. go back to where you came from. <laughs> <laughs> like, a, like a heavy bag. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. My man, uh, I appreciate you, uh, George Lopez. Man, uh, I just wanted to talk to you, man, on this on my show. And uh, can I, I come from a different it. angle? It wasn't my fast. 
This is the fastest uh, interview I think I've ever had. Dude, it's, 20, almost 25 minutes. It's, yeah, it really is. It's like 23 minutes right now. But I just want to let you know, just when people come on Money Making Conversation, man, I have no agenda. But your greatness need to be discussed. I just want to let people hear a little bit of you. You. Because there's a man behind those let jokes. Me, let me say this. Let me say this. You know, the restaurants and the beer and all that stuff came to me as an opportunity. Yes, sir. You know, if there's one thing that we have is we have an imaginative uh, mind. You can be an inventor and come from no place. Everybody who's an inventor has come from, from not from wealth. They come from their own idea. If you have an idea for an invention or something you think is different, don't just live with that idea. Look online. Look for these places. Look for a place. Because, listen. The, the the strangest things can happen to you. Nothing is impossible. And if you have an idea that you think is relevant and is good, somebody will find that idea if you reach out and say, I have this great idea for something. That's true. That's very true. That's very true. George Lopez, I don't want to hold you. My man, thank you for taking the time to come on Money Making Conversation and speaking to me, Rashawn McDonald, my brother. Stay safe. And I will be promoting you throughout my social media and my fan club because people need to know who you are, brother. You're a star, man. You're a legend. You're a comedy legend. Appreciate it. Be safe now, okay? Appreciate you. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it, Rashawn. Thanks. Bye-bye. If you want to hear more Money Making Conversation interviews, please go to moneymakingconversation.com. I'm Rashawn McDonald. I'm your host.